This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that doesn't need three spoonfuls of sriracha jam to delight your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is a 21-grain salute to the end of boring bread, a brand on a mission to make the most out of every loaf, to rid the world of GMOs and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. But Dave's Killer Bread has done more than raise the bar on bread. In fact, Dave's Killer Bread was built on the belief that second chances can change lives when its founder, Dave, the guy with the guitar you see on every loaf, returned to the family bakery after 15 years in prison. Dave took that chance and ended up creating what would become the country's number one organic bread while never forgetting his not-so-easy path. That's why at Dave's Killer Bread, they proudly practice second-chance employment, hiring the best person for the job, regardless of criminal background. And by the taste of it, things have worked out rather well. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread Amplified. Welcome to the Cottage Talk post-match show. I'm Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Fulham's great victory, and we call it great victory, against Cardiff City on Friday night. Giannis and I did full-time. Unfortunately, Giannis is feeling under the weather right now, so he can't join us, but I always have Max. Let's hope that Giannis feels a little bit better. He told me he'll be watching and listening later, but... Let's not waste any other time. Mr. Cohen, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Ross. I think this is our best result of the season. And I think that's not even a controversial statement. We haven't okay. played this well all season. And we haven't played this well all season against a good side like Cardiff, who are challenging for the playoffs. Yep. And it, it, it's a great feeling to know that Fulham have won a game by more than one goal. It's, it's <laughs> not something we say every day. The last one was Preston. You have to go pretty far away back before the other one, which is essentially Darby County in October. Yep. We don't, we don't win games comfortably, Russ, and we don't create enough chances. But on Friday night, all the things came true. It was a little and bit it, different, yes. It was, it was different, Russ, and it was refreshing to see because it almost seems like we're clicking at the right time. That's what I said after the match, is that it's our fourth win in a row. 
Mitro's back, and we yes. were creating attacking chances. It could have been four or five nil. We could have swept Cardiff away. We, we could have smashed them. The scoreline didn't reflect that, but we know watching that match, our play reflected that. And that's maybe the most optimistic I've been for a long time. Because I'm going to say, even in, in the losses against Leeds United and Brentford, yep. we, we never were dominated in those matches. I'm going to say, honestly, those were essentially smashing grabs by Leeds and Brentford. We didn't play well. I'm not saying we played well. But it's not like they played off, off the park. Right. I haven't seen a team in this division, Russ, that have really dominated us all season. And that's not to say that we have played superb. Everyone who watches the show knows I'm a big critic of how we play. But yep. all I'm trying to say now is that we're not seeing – I'm not really scared of anyone in the playoffs. And I, and I might have said I was scared of Brentford. But if you think back to the Brentford match, that was a nil-nil match until the last 10 minutes. It was a pretty even match, and people seem to forget that. At the very end, obviously, you got to give Brentford a good amount of credit because they uh, did what they needed to do to get the win. Yeah. But that was a pretty even match. Are they a scary team to play against? Yes, I, I'll go with that. But I will also say that playing them third and say that next time, that third time, I think, you know, again, psychologically, I think it's difficult to beat a team three times. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see if it comes to that. We don't even know it might get second, how, right? how this is all going to end. We, we really don't know. Fulham yeah. actually have given themselves a chance just to be in the conversation by continuing to win. But, you know, again, it's still a long shot if they can get automatic promotion. I'll be the first to tell you that. But I'm – watching and uh, seeing how things are going. And uh, they're still in the mix. And, of course, Brentford is too. Okay, my friend, let's start here now again. You are a little bit optimistic today, so this probably doesn't make sense. But, okay, yeah. Mad Max's opening thoughts. Go for it, my friend. Yeah, I think this was encouraging signs towards the Fulham that we think can play in the playoffs. You know, this is a team that didn't concede a goal. We've, we've kept, you know – Number of clean sheets in a row now. Three clean sheets in a row. And I think about the QPR match where we conceded in the very first minute. We essentially played four matches of football without conceding. Take away that first minute goal. Right. That's something I think that's flown under the radar is that the defense has been pretty excellent. Although the attack has kind of sputtered the past couple of matches. Credit to Rodak. And although Reem and Hector have been criticized, they've essentially been flawless. They give away the ball for sure. And, and it's not perfect, but you can't argue with the clean sheets. Against pretty good sides, well, not in Forest and Cardiff. Right. So I'm happy with the defense. I feel that's not being talked about enough. But of course, the big thing was the attack. During during parts of the second half of the first half, and for most of the second half, we were creating chances in a way that wasn't just crosses from out wide to Mitro. You know, I think Harrison Reed deserves great credit. He dictated oh. the play on yep. Friday night in a way that I think everyone wants Carey to, in some respect. But Harrison Reed does it better, in my opinion, because he plays quick. Ken doesn't have the urgency that Harrison Reed does. He also doesn't want the ball back. But Harrison Reed was, was that guy for us. He was yep. the fulcrum of that team that we need so desperately. And I think when Johansson came on, he was excellent. The pass to Onoma. Onoma all match, I think, was excellent. Yeah. Um, we, we saw, as I'm, as I'm just crying out for, we've been crying out for, more attacking ingenuity, more attacking creativity in the final Totally third. agree. Cyrus Christie was excellent. Yeah. Giving that width on, on the, on the, in the right back position. The mix was there, right in this match. Yeah. And, and you know, you can, you can also point to many players. And Mitrovic, of course, gives us that focal point. And I yep. think he was also pretty, pretty instrumental in hold up play. And, you know, we finally saw passes that came down the, the center third of the pitch. It wasn't just played out wide and hope. You know, <laughs> there were some nice interchanges, one twos. Yep. Bobby Reed getting involved. 
numerous chances that I could say, that is football. That's not, that's not just Parker ball. That's football. That was yeah, not really Parker ball, in my opinion. That was a little bit different. Again, you could say it was a little cagey in the beginning stages, but it definitely opened up. And like like you talked about, after the Metro goal, the chances by Bobby Decadova Reed, again, we'll go through it. We're, again, encouraging even though he did not score, he needs to score. And uh, there's a, a player that needs more than a few goals. But you brought up something interesting, and – Giannis was hitting on this on full-time, so let's talk about this now. You ready? Here we go. Thoughts on how Fulham played without Tom Kearney, okay? We're talking about the midfield three, how they work together. Max, they worked very well together. And, again, I'm a fan of Tom Kearney's, but I, I think we need to talk about how they functioned without him and uh, how Scott Parker needs to figure things out moving forward because he's going to return. He has been injured. But how did it work without Tom Kearney? Let's talk about the midfield three. And then thoughts on what does Parker do when Kearney's ready to come back? Yeah. Well, even when Kearney's in the starting 11, I'd argue we play without him. Because you don't see him on the pitch. So, this was listen, when we play with Kearney, when we play with Kearney, we play with 10 men. When we play without him, we have 11 men on the pitch. So, automatically, that's a benefit. Because in the past couple of matches, he's been so anonymous. I mean, of course, not, but when he was, before he went out injured, you didn't notice it. You go for 30 minutes in the match and you'd think, oh, our captain's on the pitch. You just remember. Because he's not getting involved. Right. When we have someone like Harrison Reed in there, he's someone who needs to get involved. He gets all the short little touches. He fights to win the ball back. And again, as I always say, he plays quick. He's always looking for not just a backward or sideways pass, but a pass forward. And how he can play a quick one too, switch the play. You know, and, and his mind, I think, is moving so much quicker than, than other players like Kearney. And, you know, I think Kenny's superb for the moment of magic when you need a, you know, a 30 yard winner or you need a, a nice through ball played perfectly. But in this team, I think almost the Kenny mindset envelops the entire side and it gets dangerous because we get into that slow, lackadaisical, methodical way of playing that I think Kenny excels at because that gives him time and space to pick out the moments of magic. But as right. we saw on Friday, we almost, we, we play much better when it's quick. Because we have exactly, exactly. So, in my opinion, we haven't missed Kenny at all. That that is kind of a, a sad statement because he is our club captain. He's played about two hundred matches as of recently. He has done some amazing things this season. Let's not forget, right before the before the restart, uh, he scored the equalizer at Bristol City, and he was scoring goals with some regularity this season. But right. it's tough because I don't know. I don't know if I want to say that when he comes back, he doesn't play because I think there is a situation in which the midfield three is Reed, Onama, and Kenny. Okay. Some people might say Reed Onema and Johansson after his camp. Or Arter. Yeah, so. Or Johansson, right, right. I do think it's going to be hard for Parker to leave out Kenny from the starting line. Okay. But I don't see the reason why you should never take out Reed and you don't take out Onema. And I see Reed and Onema as two players who work very hard. They have high work rate. Yep. Um, and maybe that can let Kenny flourish a bit more. And that's the inter- interesting conundrum, and I'm glad we're talking about this because Giannis brought this up, and it actually has sparked the debate I've, I've heard from more than a few people mentioned to me, messaged me that you guys were talking about Kearney, and it's good that you're talking about Kearney because it, it's a situation that um, is going to uh, have to play itself up. How does uh, Scott Parker deal with uh, bringing Tom Kearney back? He's your team captain, and who – goes out, like you said, is it Arthur or is it Johansson? And how does it look? How does it look? Does it look like it did 
on Friday night. It's, you know, I, I think it's going to be different. And I just like the way it flowed with these three. And like we said, when Johansson came on, it was the exact same kind of thing, Max. So I'm a fan of Tom Kearney's. I just think this is going to be not an easy decision for Scott Parker. I, I don't. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he uses them. And uh, I, I remember uh, talking to Giannis about it. I mean, Giannis, uh, if I can remember correctly, thinks that maybe he should be coming off the bench. So, the, you know, again, that's an interesting situation right now for Tom Kearney and Fulham Football Club. I guess you could say it's a good problem to have, or is it a good problem to have? Well, I mean, on that? In, in terms of the selection dilemma, I think it's always good to have people challenging for places. But right. in terms of the actual reality, it, it's, it's concerning. It, it's not it something is. people like to talk about because Kenny, I, I love him as, as a man. Yeah. I, I want to love him as a player. Right. He is he is honestly Fulham through and through given he's been with us for five years. He joined, what, back in the summer of 2015. It was a low point for the club. You know, yep. Kate Simmons is there. You can't finish the season. But we honestly almost got – we were a second bottom half of the championship team when he joined. And he played a big role in taking us up to the Premier League. Um, but – I think he'll be the first to admit. I think ever since the start of the 2018 season, you know, in the Premier League, up until today, he hasn't been at his best. He's not, and 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 he need, he will recognize that. I don't think that's controversial because right. we haven't seen. I think vintage carry for me is is either 2016-7 season or the 2017-18 season. Those are his two best seasons for me. Right. We ha- we haven't. He's been injured. Sure, that, that's a massive concern for him. Is that he hasn't been fit? So I can imagine how difficult for his, for him. We haven't seen a player who's necessarily on it every match, who's facilitating play, who's playing quick, who can win the ball back. That's not a sport, but sometimes it does it, but can just link up with players. And, and that's been missing a lot recently. Uh, so for me, I think maybe Parker, he's been, he was a central midfielder in his time. Yep. Very different player than Kenny, but he needs to take him aside and say, listen, Tom, what's not going right? How can we get you back to your best? Because I think every fan knows that a fully fit and fully functioning Tom Kearney should be one of the best players in the championship. But we've got a situation where right. he's been one of the most anonymous players. And, and that's not that's very concerning. And the fact that Fulham flowed so well with, say, these three in the two machinations, either Archer or Johansson, everything seemed quicker. And, again, does he slow things down a little bit, Max, just the way that he plays? So I see his value. It's an interesting situation for Scott Parker to figure out exactly what he needs to do. And that's the interesting question. Is it a good problem to have or is it a bad problem to have? <laughs> I don't have the answer for that because you can look at it both ways. You have a lot of talented players, but you have to see how you can fit them all in. And you have to go with the team that gives you the best chance to win. Is Tom Kearney in the starting 11 give you the best chance to win? And again, we'll have to see how Scott Parker feels about that. I disagree with Giannis. I still see him having a pivotal role starting, but you know we'll have to see how Parker plays it. But I'm just going to share a comment that we got actually someone watching us live on Periscope via Twitter. Fulham, Nick, if Fulham gets promoted, does Kearney come with? Very interesting question, Max. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's it's a great question from Nick. I think I think the answer for me has to be yes. I can't see him leaving the club, but I think the, the bigger question I think which Nick is asking is, does he play a big role if we get promoted in the Premier League? And I think that answer is no. 
I think he's in his late twenties, maybe early thirties now. He's definitely not at the prime of his career. Late twenties, late twenties, late twenties, late twenties. I I can't because I think we we essentially experimented with that um, in the Premier League, and I think we we we, knew, we learned a lot in 2018-19 season. Okay, yep. we learned a lot of what players are up to and what players are not. And then the sad answer was a lot of our players were not up to the top flight. We know how difficult it is, and we know how quick the pace of play is in the Premier League. And if Kennedy's struggling in this moment of time in the Championship. I just can't see him stepping up to the plate in the Premier League, which we know is just such a tough league, so much tougher than what we're facing now. So I, I think he'll be a player, he'll be a squad player. He'll definitely make make the 18 and come on as a sub, but he won't be one of our, he won't be the core of the side. So he'll definitely be in the market for another creative center midfielder. Okay, my friend. Giannis and I talked about this on full-time. I want to get your view. All right, here we go. What was the turning point of the match for you, my friend? Have to be the penalty for me. Okay. You know, a lot a lot of times in first halves, as we've seen, we struggled to score. We're not very strong starters. And honestly, in this match, it wasn't, wasn't any different. I was waxing lyrical about our performance, but we easily could have gone down in the early stages. There are a bunch of poor giveaways. Well, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Trust yeah. me, we're, so we're going to talk yeah. about that. Even though it was one of our best matches in months, it was still very nerdy. So it was crucial we got that first goal. And I think the way we got the penalty was really encouraging. You know, it was actually our turn. Yep. We switched the ball over to Knockart, and Knockart had um, the wherewithal to see Christy make the overlapping run. That's yep. Christy in. And then Mitra gets hauled down. That to me, those three players, Knockart, Arkert, uh, sorry, Knockart, Arter, Christy. Yep. I'd say probably the top three uh, players that fans kind of turn on. You can see any number of fans saying in the comments after the. Starting eleven was posted. You know, why is Arter here? Oh, uh, no, knock Arter again. My word. What's Christie doing? And they all combine to set up that to set up the situation that's the penalty, right? And that penalty. And once Mitro scored, once we have the lead, you know, midway through the first half, Everything as we all know, you're right about that. We don't give up leads. We don't give up leads. So the big no, thing, we don't. We don't. It's an yeah. incredible record. I actually saw someone post. I think the club posted it. It's uh, an incredible record. Once we get the lead, so th- that's really good. And I just want to mention when we do break down the first half, and we talk about the penalty. I'm going to mention a comment from uh, from the, the uh, manager of Cardiff City because uh, he felt it was soft. We'll talk about that when we get to talking about the first half because I don't know if it was, but I'll get your view when we get there, my friend. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the starting 11. Your thoughts, my friend? I thought it was, again, probably one of our strongest starting 11s. You know, obviously Mitrovic coming back, big boost. And the midfield three, I was honestly a fan of. Um, of course, the big thing is Reed in there, and then Anima came into the starting eleven. So, yep. turn. So I liked, you know, no Cabana. That that was, I think, one of, one of the changes. And you know, Adoy hasn't been, wasn't in the side, uh, wasn't in the starting eleven. And I like how Christie's been playing. So those are the major things for me, and I, I was happy with that. I think that's perhaps our best back four with Brian and Christie on the wings, and you got Hector and Reed in there. I don't think Adoy is a natural right back. I think Chrissy does play this role in this team better. So I was pleased with the start of Okay, excellent. Just want to mention to everyone that if you have a comment for everyone that's watching us live on Twitter or on Facebook, please feel free to share a comment with us, and uh, we might be able to get to it also. And just want to mention, who was your man of the match? So please feel free to share your uh, full man of the match, and we we could be mentioning your comment when we get to man of the match at the end of the show. 
Okay, very good there, my friend. Good stuff from you, my friend. And uh, let's um, let's get into it to a little bit more. And um, before I do that, actually, I'm sorry about that, Max. Let's let's now transition and uh, let me ask you a question. Thoughts on Mitro's return before we get in? We talk about the first half. How did you feel he did? Yeah, he really slotted right back into the side. Of course, the big thing is the goal. I mean, he's out for three matches, and in the, in the first half he gets back and he scores, and that sums up Mitro better than anything else. He just scores goals for fun and is so good at just finding back the net. That penalty was one of the best penalties I've seen in a while because the keeper gets the right way, and it takes a lot to be the keeper when he gets it the right way, and he put it perfectly in the top right corner. You see a lot of players kind of scuff it mid-range, which is easy to keep it for save. Or do the smart thing, which is play it low. Mitra took a big risk, yep. and it came off brilliantly. So for, for that, I mean, you don't have to look very far past the goal. But if you want to talk about his build-up play, I was also impressed by that. He did, you know, sometimes down the wing, sometimes he dropped back a little bit. He was, I think, involved a lot more in the play than we have seen in past matches. In the Leeds and Brentford match, you could say it's pretty isolated. But on Friday night, he was all over the place. Yep. It was really encouraging. Because you did see some people saying, oh, you know, they lost two matches after the restart when he was playing, suddenly gets suspended, they win all three. Yep. Looks like they don't need Mitra. And then as I said in the previous shows, that's just <laughs> idiotic. Doesn't account for the fact he played two of the best teams in the division when he wasn't there. Exactly. When he, when he was there, then when he wasn't there, he played off some worse teams. It has nothing to do with Mitra. And sure. it, that's, that's causation, causation, not equal correlation, whatever. You know, it, nothing, the two things don't have anything to do with Mitra. So it would be foolish not to start Mitra. And I think it's excellent. Okay, excellent. All right. Coming up next, Max and I are going to talk about the first half, followed by our second half review. We'll go through the stats. We'll go through man of the match. We have a lot to continue to talk about on Cottage Talk. All right, Max, let's get into our first half review. I'm going to stop at some key moments. And let's start here. You have an opportunity very early on in the ninth minute by Harrison Reed. Now we're going to stop in a second because we have to talk about these two situations. In the um, 21st minute, you have uh, a shot by Mendes Lane, but this was a mistake by Harry Archer, okay? And then right after that, you have a mistake by Tim Ream. I want to talk about this because this continues to happen fairly early on in matches. Your thoughts on these mistakes by Fulham, it's not hurting them, but the potential to hurt them is there, my friend. Let's talk about the mistakes early on. Yeah. To me, it comes down to kind of a simple philosophy thing. You know, Parker will tell his teams when they start the match, you know, feel out the match, play slow, work yourself into it, pass the ball around, ease into it. So for yep. me, it's a very low energy start to games. And, that, and that's, we see that. We don't really score goals in the first 10 minutes very often. No, they rarely. And I think you look at Neil Harrison when he told his Carter City players, I think it's the exact opposite. I think he told them, first 10 to 50 minutes, work hard, high tempo, press. Yep. You know they'll pass. You know there'll be mistakes. Get in the back of them. Make them uncomfortable. Force I them totally into agree with that with philosophy. Pass. Yeah. So those are the two dueling philosophies, and our philosophy played around the Carter's philosophy. But I think the reason you only – but I think we got better as the match went on, right? We did. We and absolutely did. We, we cut out the mistakes. But, again, it could also be that situation when, like you said, his team plays cautious. They feel the game out, whereas another team takes it to you. Tell me a, a match that you can remember that Fulham took it to a team from the get-go. 
Yeah, I and mean, it's it's been a very long time. I think no that's wall? Yeah, that's ages ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I you think know, what I'm trying to say is like that, that the, the high tempo press works for a certain amount of time, but then yeah. teams get tired, and I think that's when right. we excel. And after we got the first goal, we saw that they were less and less dangerous because we were more comfortable. They perhaps had overspend their energy in the first 15 minutes. And although it is nervy for us, I don't love it. Maybe yep. you can say the strategy in the grand scheme of things works. Right. That, you know, obviously we'd like to start off better. Everyone wants to start off better. But if we can absorb that first wave of pressure, then they can't, then they tire themselves out. They don't have the energy to keep that up because no team can press for 90 minutes straight. Right. And then we can play our football. Also, Steve Reynolds with some good banter in, in the comments. This is like my back. I like that. Cheers, Steve. <laughs> Well, good. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back to you because, again, we've been talking about Tim Ream lately, and uh, he's making me nervous back there, Max. I know the mistakes weren't as prevalent after this, but it's been consistent the last few matches. What What do you make of what's going on with him? I can't really tell you. He's he's, he's old. He's getting, not, he's getting in the years. He's not doesn't have the pace he used to have if he had any pace. And he's always been someone who's been so comfortable on the ball. That's been one of his big things. But is, is this necessarily new? We saw in the Premier League that he gave away the ball a lot. I mean, he I remember did. the away match against Cardiff. And hopefully, hopefully every fan remembers this, but not in a good way. When we lost 4-2. And he essentially, yep. on the halfway line, tried to just kind of do a step over, fell down. And then Cardiff went on the breakaway and scored. So he is a player who does have a mistake in him. But I think that ju- that's just by virtue of how much he touches the ball. He's probably one of the players in our team that makes the most passes. And I guess when you make that many passes as a center back, you're going to make some mistakes along the way. Again, he got out-jumped in the QPR match for the goal in the first minute. But that's really the only defensive error I've seen in, in recent times for him. The other things have mainly been attacking play, you know, when he's passing the ball to the back, making mistakes. All we can do is just hope that doesn't rear its head in a high-pressure situation in the playoffs. But the solution for me is is, is difficult because you're not going to drop him. You're not going to start LaMarchand. You're not going to put Mawson back after eight, five years out, right? So what can we do as foam supporters? We can say, right. listen, Reem's been making errors, but there's no solution because he's essentially undropped. So yeah, all I do is hope. Okay. Excellent there, my friend. All right. Let's go back and now, because we've already talked about it a little bit, let's talk about, the penalty for Mitro. And I just want to share this with you because, again, I happened to watch a video with Neil Harris that he took after the match. And Mitro scores on, on the penalty, and it was well taken. And I watched it back. I'm just going to ask you a question because I watched what Neil Harris said, and he called it soft, Max. Do you think this was a soft penalty? I don't know. I mean, I've watched it a few times. What are your thoughts on it? And then we could talk about about. Mitro scoring on the penalty, but I found that interesting. And again, if I'm a manager, I understand why he's doing it, but in all seriousness, was it a soft penalty? For Cardiff, it was probably soft. You know, they, they play a very different style of football than we do. And, and honestly, it's like rugby. So he probably thought it was a perfectly fine challenge. I just dragged someone down. That's, that's normal. That happens. But he did drag him down. I mean, that's yeah, obvious, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I, I was joking in the fact that Cardiff are, are such a rough and physical team. <laughs> that that's commonplace to them. They do that, you know, without even blinking an eye. Of course, it's a penalty. I mean, it, it's silly that, of course, he's a manager. So he's going to try to create some controversy to cover for his players. But everyone watching the match knew that, you know, Samson just pulled him down. It was clear Micho 
had the ability to get off on the end of the crosses. Yep. That's one of his strongest suits. And if Sanderson didn't pull him, he had him beat him. So it's clearly a penalty. Also, the best way to know if it's a penalty, Ross, is as soon as the opposition player does it, they put their hands in the air. The guy That's right. That's it's, right. It's the most natural football reaction. Everyone does it. That's a great point. Levels. Because as soon as you've done a foul, you realize you have, you have to do this. I didn't foul him. No one who's actually not fouled someone would do this. You just play, right? Because you're not to be guilty about. But as soon as you're guilty, you're like, I didn't touch a ref. Yep. So that's a bit, that's, that's a, a dead giveaway. Whenever you raise your hands, that's a good point. All right, my friend, let's move on. And there was a a moment in the 40th minute. Joe Rawls had a, had a great opportunity. Hits the crossbar, and then another chance by Rawls. So there was a little nervy time there for Fulham. But that's followed up by the opportunities from Bobby Decadover Reed. So let's talk about this now because. Again, I'm a fan of Bobby Decadover-Reeds. He needs multiple goals, not just one goal. He needs a few goals. The first opportunity in the 41st minute, great save by Smithies, okay? But the one, the follow-up to that a little bit after that, it's a sitter, Max. He needs to score on that header. So let's talk about Bobby Decadover-Reeds misses and your thoughts on both of them. The first hit was superb. I mean, that was, was. That, was that was Harry Archer esque. Archer's obviously been giving him tips on long shots in training. Yeah, um, that was that was a great because, shot. Was just that was airing to the top corner. Yeah, and, and although you have to give credit to Smithies because the the tip he got in that to get it on the crossbar that was also superb. So all around great play in that one. The second one, you're right. There's there's, there's no excuse for that. It's, but it's not new. We, we've known that ever since Re Decorative rejoined Fulham that. He doesn't score goals. He does everything else, Russ. He gets involved in build-up play. He'll give assists. He'll make runs. He'll do great dribbles. He'll take on players. He'll link up play. He doesn't score. So I think you know, it's tough for us because he gets in attacking positions, but I have to tell myself, lower my expectations. He's not going to score a goal. Because we've seen the unbelievably, unbelievable chances he's missed. He gets in amazing positions. Credit to him for getting positions, but he can't score. So... We have to temper our expectations. I, I don't want to get angry at him because, you know, it, of course, it's so angry because it, it's, what, it's five yards out. Yeah. It's, it's perfect delivery. All he does is glance it in, and he just gets no purchase on it. But we have to realize that if we think if we think he's going to be a goal scorer, we're in the, we're in the, wrong, we're in the wrong boat. We can't expect that out of him because he, he can't do it. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. We'll get one goal, and suddenly the goals will flow. It will just change. But until then, I think we have to see him as a player who will link up play, will take shots, We'll create options for others, but we can't. But I see his value overall. You see his no, value. Yeah, there, there's value, and I think it's, it's clear that he deserves a starting spot. Yeah. But for a professional footballer to miss those chances, it's so frustrating. But, you know, as people are saying, he creates opportunities as well. As they just said, he yep. creates opportunities. Yep. And that's what's important because he, he makes our attack play, I think, better. But we yep. can't count on him to score the goals. Absolutely. And I'm going to share this again from our friend, Full Nick. On Periscope, Deco creates opportunities that get us goals, which is just as important, in my opinion. You just said that, Max. Yeah, no, yeah, I was actually seeing Nick's comment. I was like, that's that's a good point. But yeah, it's great <laughs> to see popping off in the comments. Um, Neil Stewart says Swansea leads no no half. Yep, yep, I saw so, that. I mean, too. Thanks for sharing that. We're gonna win the league, right? We're gonna win the league. So that's good. <laughs> no, but honestly, to Leeds, so then Leeds would just be one point above West Brom. And then what if Leeds drop into Well, we'll see how that all permutations. We'll see how – there's still a lot of football to be played, but it's interesting. And thank you, Neil, for sharing that as we – And then we can play Swansea this in the playoffs maybe. Who knows? Who knows, my friend? There's a lot still going on. I want to go back to Mitro. This is from our friend down in Spain, Steve Reynolds. How would it have been the other way around? 
Soft. Yes, it's Mitro. Very interesting from Steve Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's a penalty. Come on. I mean, Mitro <laughs> does sometimes make the most of it, but that's a penalty. And I know we're going to talk about this later, but yep. if you want to talk about karma, if you thought that was soft, then... Oh, we're going to talk about that. Trust me, we're going to talk about So... We will definitely talk about that. Giannis and I talked about that in full time. Trust me, we're going to talk about that because that was egregious, Max. As a ref, come on. Yeah, but I, 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 have I have some thoughts about that. I have some thoughts about that. Okay, we're going to talk about that. In and that has to do with VAR. It's going to be, get ready oh. for a VAR rant. So. Okay. Oh, <laughs> wow. We're going to have a VAR <laughs> rant. Fantastic. Okay. Excellent. Just want to mention thank you, everyone, for watching this live and commenting, and I'll try to get to more comments as we go. So, Max, let's transition and uh, let's uh, talk about the second half. Okay, so let's let's now move move on and talk about the second half and get your second half review. So, just give me a second here, and let's talk about that. Uh, it's funny because um, Neil Harris made a substitution to start the second half, and that was uh, he brought on Lee Tomlin and took off Sanderson, who you had the situation with the penalty and you saw a reaction from Cardiff city. They came out strong. I thought in the, uh, in the second half, they, they, they started off pretty strong in the uh, 53rd minute. You have a uh, reads cross is saved by Smithies in the 54th minute. You have a punch out by Rodak. And then a little bit after that, you have Johansson coming on for Arthur. Let's talk, let's stop there. Let's talk about, the substitutions, because I've been critical of Scott Parker's substitutions this season. Lately, I think he's got them right. Let's talk about this substitution and the impact it had. Yeah, and I think Johansson, maybe he's making his case to get a starting place. I'm not going to go as far to say he deserves to start, because I really like the way he came off the bench. That might be his best role as an impact player. He, I mean, of course, with the Anima assist, he had that little bit of attacking class to pick out in the past. But also, I think he's someone who plays very much like a Harry Arthur in the yep. way that he's very physical in the challenge and will run around and be a workhorse for you. But I was, I think that Johansson has that same defensive grit with perhaps more attacking composure, which, which feels funny to say given that Arthur scored two goals, two wonderful yep. goals in the last couple of matches. But in terms of, I think, picking out the final ball, so often you see Arthur in those positions in the final third and it feels rushed or forced yep. and it feels like unnatural. It's like he's out of place. He, he shouldn't be there. But Johansson showed really, really excellent passing. As I mentioned, the assist for the honorable goal. And he just seemed really at ease playing in that Fulham side when we really started to dominate towards the end of that match. We started to camp out outside the box. Um, and in situations maybe later in the season or in the playoffs, when we're going to be needing a goal late on, I think it's a really valuable asset to bring Johansson off the bench to give that energy, but also, as I mentioned, that eye for a pass. Okay, excellent. Okay, let's now go to that moment that you and I were talking about because I've got some views, and you already said you got some VAR views on this. So, so let's uh, let's talk about it. Okay, let's talk about this because in the 63rd minute, Max, this was a clear penalty. I I've seen the I even when I watched it live, I thought it was a clear penalty. Here are my thoughts on it. He wasn't willing to call it because he gave us a penalty already. That's just my opinion, which. As Yana said on full time, it's wrong because a penalty is a penalty. You got to call it. So, what are your thoughts on this? This has to be a clear penalty in your mind too, right? And then, yeah. then feel free to share your thoughts. You mentioned you want to talk about VAR. So, sure, your, yeah. your view on that? 
<laughs> I don't really want to spend that much time talking about the penalty because I think anyone with a functioning brain and eyes can see it as a penalty. I mean, <laughs> but it's not even remotely controversial. Like that's it's it's just a fact. It was a clear blade in hand ball. Why you do you think he didn't call? I honestly think he probably was shielded. He probably didn't see it. That's my only explanation is that no one saw it. Okay. The, the assistant referee was blocked by players, and the referee was blocked. That's the only explanation I have. Okay. But I want to get to the larger point, which is, of course, people say this is why we need VAR, right? VAR would very quickly look at this and say, handball, penalty. Yep. But I would trade anything not to play the league with VAR. I think you, we've seen how it's played out in the Premier League. You, you and, and I have, disagree, but go ahead. Okay, well, let me say, maybe other leagues go in ahead. Europe do it better than we do in England. But we've seen the Premier League. How this MLS has been forward. pretty good here. You know that. It's been getting better. Well, maybe, maybe I must. But, but listen, I'm just saying, I think it ruins football. I think I, okay. would, I, I would happily accept missed calls like what happened Friday night. I would happily accept missed calls like what happened against Leeds when it was also a handball. Right. Because football isn't meant to be analyzed like I think other sports, you know? Okay. We see, I, me and you, we, we watch American sports and we see, for instance, the last you know five minutes of a basketball game might take yeah. five hours. Oh, it, it, it's game, definitely. You're right about that. It slows it down. What, it slows it down. You're but right. But not only does it slow it down, Russ, it distills football and, and sport to something that it's not. A, a game of, of centimeters and we see and, and – and, you know, computer drawings and graphics and lines on a TV screen. We've seen what happens in the Premier League when people are offside by well, I've a, seen fraction, that, yeah. a fraction. And fraction. that's not football. Yeah. You know, that, that's that's not sports anymore. You know, that's that's just people having fun with some graphic design at home. That's not yeah. what we, 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 we watch this sport for. And I think I would happily trade getting a missed call every now and again, like we happened Friday night, which of course we're angry about. We feel an injustice. But I would, I would take that injustice. I think injustice over a feeling of, boredom and like the sport is being taken away from us just because someone with the computer screen decides that a fraction of my shoulder was ahead when you can't really even tell when the offside rule is really not is, is, is about broad daylight and not you know the millimeters in an ideal world Russ, we have VAR for only obvious situations like hand yep. and I would say rule where it's like if you're offside it should be clear if you look in five seconds and you know that should be it but you shouldn't spend 10 minutes and that's how you know someone's <laughs> offside or not um, okay. and I know them, but they'll never enforce the rules only in some situations not in others because that's yeah. not how it works so in the end listen I want to get to the Premier League like, like everyone else but I fear what we'll get once we get to the Premier League okay well here's a comment from our friend Full Nick be careful what you wish for Max I'd rather be in the <laughs> yeah. EPL with oh, AR than the championship without I'm with you I'm with you <laughs> I'm with you but you know I just wish it wasn't that way okay Okay, very good there, my friend. And uh, listen, it's it's a interesting situation with VR. I'm glad, you know I'm glad that you brought it up because it's controversial. I have a different view than you. I, I want them to get the call right, but I do agree with the millimeter approaches. Is just a it, it, it's annoying at this point. They need to adjust it because it's so close, and uh, to take away a goal, it does change the way those matches are playing out in the Premier League. Yeah. They need to figure it out. Okay. And one, one last thing is that, you know, the argument for VAR is that, you know, people could say to me, counter argument to what I just said is, listen, even if it takes a long time, they get the result right. And that's the most important thing. But they haven't. We, we've seen, exactly. We've haven't. seen th- Thursday night in the Premier League, the Premier League admitted in each of the three matches. They so how on earth can you justify VAR <laughs> with this pure concept, getting things right? The only league admits it hasn't been doing that. Yeah, I agree, man. It's it's a really 
interesting debate, and we could do five shows on VAR, but we want to talk about other stuff. So let's move forward. And uh, I talked about this with Giannis. We're going to talk about it now, my friend. Let's talk about this great goal from Josh Onima. It's not just about him here. He took it great, but it's all the it's also the lead up to this. Let's talk about the goal. Yeah, the I think goal. Uh, the connection between Johansson and Onima. Oh, it was fantastic. exciting to behold. That, that was one of the best ones, too, that also I've seen in a while. For him. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't instantaneous. Johansson played the ball, Onima returned it to him, and then the, the assist, the pass from Johansson to Onima. How Johansson sees that, because he's to the right of the box. It's, it's not a simple pass, and he has to swivel his body, split a couple of defenders, and put it right on the feet of Onima. That, that, that was just joyous, and that's, that's just great football. And again, and that's what I really loved from seeing Fulham on Friday night, was that we were creating chances that weren't just your classic rinse, repeat, out wide, cross, bam. No, this was, this was a creative opportunity. It was special. It was creative, and, and that was a creativity which really encouraged me. And, of course, as you know, Autumn, I mean, what? The first touch, to swivel it up, and then the technique for the outside of the right foot, that ball just aired in, and he didn't even move. That's how you know how good it is. And there was no run-up. That yeah. was all technique, you know? He just I was, was going to say, he has – he has a great way of just taking a shot. Again, there's no wasted motion. He just goes for it, and he does it so quickly. Like, I didn't even realize the last two goals, and, and even going back to another goal that he took, it's all this non-wasted motion. It's just he just takes it. And I wish yeah. more players did what he does. It, he catches, I think, players and especially goalkeepers off guard because he does it so quickly, Max. It's amazing. His technique is, is really it's fantastic. One of the best inside. But let's also talk about something larger about Josh Onima, which I'm going to take some blame for, is that how we're so quick to think the judge players. I'll be the first to admit, I hated Josh Onima, the fall player, back in the fall. I thought he was useless. I associated him with the Ryan Sessegnon deal because yeah. I thought we gave away Ryan Sessegnon for this. I, I think Should we have to re-look yeah. at that yeah. deal now. I think we have to look, for look sure. back at it. And it's, it's so easy to judge a player on a couple of bad touches. And let's be clear, it wasn't just an isolated incident. I think Hanuman had a yeah. very poor couple months. But we have to think that this is a player adjusting to a new side. He's still young. It's not easy just to fit into a totally new team in a very tough league like the championship right away. And even if his touch, even his technique was poor back then, he looked short on confidence and he gave the ball away most of the times. There is a value in waiting on a player. Yep. And if Parker had listened to the fan vitriol, Hanuman might have been shipped out on loan in January. That's how people felt about him. But credit to the manager. He knew the talent that Onima had. He's seen him at under-18 level at Spurs, and he had trusted him. And that trust has been completely repaid. As we've seen since the restart, Onima looked a different player. And I think maybe everyone would agree that he's one of the first, not the first name, but he's a guaranteed starter now. We need what he offers. He's earned it. Credit to him because it's not easy. I'm sure he saw the the hate and the criticism he was getting, but he stuck with it. And I think everyone in Fulham now is very happy to have him on the team. So I, I was just delighted for him recently to get the goals against Birmingham and against yep. Cardiff because it's just a really nice reward for as we play. Absolutely. I'm going to share this. This is from Neil Stewart. Onama goal was great. Finally unlocked the defense. Too many long shots for goals this year. This is what you're talking about, Max. Those long shots are exciting but not sustainable. The goal that Onama got that he – created again from the opportunity from Johansson is sustainable. You want to see more of this. Yeah. I, th- I think what Neil said in terms of unlocking the defense is probably the best way to put it. Right. Because 
we don't score goals like that very often. When I think about a cross, a cross isn't unlocking the defense. A cross is, you know, being in the right place at the right time and essentially not really getting lucky, but it's not, it doesn't take the work and the skill to unlock a defense like that, the Johansson armor combination. And as Neil mentioned, that's how you're going to get goals against the really good teams. You're going to pass around them, create space, make runs, and, and get in there through passing. And that's what we want to see from Fulham. Yep. And that's, I think, how we get goals more often, you know, rather than hitting an open. Which is Arter? That's Arter. And yeah. goals. As you mentioned, great goals, but that's you can't count on that down the stretch in, right. in, in a tough playoff match. Right. Neil's right because that goal just shows maybe some growth from Fulham that they're starting to create their opportunities instead of having these wonder strikes from distance because you can't count on those. You do have those moments of magic, but how about build up play? How about like you said the the one two play? We're starting to see a little bit more of that. And I think Josh Onam is a part of that. But I also like that we're talking about the impact of that substitution of uh, Stefan Johansson. All right, have, have to bring this up. Let's go back to talking about VAR real quick. This is from Cone Bugler. Max, VAR is not the problem. I agree with Cone, by, by the well, way. Well, listen, I, I can also see what he's saying, that uh, <laughs> the big criticism of the Premier League is that there haven't been as much use of the pitch side monitors. Right, that's one of the main things that other leagues in Europe do that I think makes yeah. it more effective. The actual referee goes to watch, yeah. and they can make their own decision rather than the people in Stockley Park, wherever. I still think the concept of it does irk me that you know you're stopping the match and there are big stoppages in play, and it becomes almost like a timeout, which I honestly hate in American sports. Which is something why I like football so much is that it's the, the play goes on and there aren't structured breaks um, like we're seeing now at the water breaks. That's almost too much of an intrusion for me. Yep. But listen, I, I do agree that it could be a lot better if if we um, we have a pitch side monitor and, and, and Premier League looks at it differently. But at the end of the day, I'd be happy to go back to a time when there was no discussion of VAR. And you put up with the bad decisions, but at the end of the day, karma might have worked itself out. And that's what I think about the Leeds match, right? That's the best yep. example, really quickly. Mitro should have been sent off right then and there. With VAR, he would have been sent off. And we also yep. should have had the penalty. So it goes both ways. We got lucky. It does. Got lucky. It does. But that's why I want VAR. I do want it because uh, I, I want them to get the calls right. But to your argument, they're not getting all the calls right. So they need to figure it out. But I like Holmes' comments because it, it is the way that the Premier League is implementing it. Like I said, I've watched in MLS at beginning stages. It was horrible. But they have adjusted. And I think the Premier League will adjust. But we can agree to disagree on, on that, my friend. Let me uh, move on and end with talking about the second half. I want to get your thoughts how Fulham ended the match, okay? Because I want to talk about some of these substitutions. You have Cavallaro coming on for Knockhart, Cabano coming on for Reed, Seth uh, for Bobby Deckard over Reed, Seth coming on for, for Harrison Reed, and McDonald coming on for Monoma. What are your thoughts about how Parker is utilizing his substitutions lately, especially in this match. What, what do you make of it? Are, are you in favor of some of the, his substitution moves lately, also in this match? Well, this match was decidedly different, different in the past because he didn't throw in like a third center back and play whatever the 4-6 formation. He That's went right. attacking, which, which I love because I'm glad we're talking at the end of the There match. was a different just, philosophy at the end of the match. Yes. For the past what, however many months, when we're up by a goal, it's nervy. And it absolutely is. This is different. On. This is the first match I've actually been comfortable in the past 50 minutes. I can take, <laughs> I can lean back and breathe. I was, my heart totally was, I was totally what a relief. And, and instead of hanging on for dear life, 
we were pushing for the third goal. That's right. That we was scored a different goals. approach. I, I totally agree. If, if Cabano, I mean, he was probably shocked that he got a header in the first place. That was probably America. Like, I got yep. a header in the shortest play on the pitch. Good for him. And if Cavalera crosses the ball in the box to Mitro at the very end, I think it could have been four or five nil. Russ. Also, yeah. Cyrus Christie headed over in the second half, completely free, completely unmarked. Yep. So we not only were we – we weren't just hanging on. We were pushing teams, looking to kill them off, to run out the score to improve our goal difference. And I think every fan is just like astounded because that's the antithesis of what we see from Parker all season. So that's another reason why I'm so optimistic about this match because maybe it's marking a turn, a turn in the season, you know, that now instead of hanging on, we want to – impose our will. And, and the best way I think to hang on, honestly, is to kill the game off by scoring. That's kind of my football philosophy, which is maybe a bit risky, but he, he understood the way the match was going. Parker read the match and said, listen, Cardiff are not threatening us. They haven't really threatened us at all in the, in the last 20 minutes. Let's put on attacking players and let's really make a statement. Right. And that to me was different than what we've seen. And I'm glad that we're talking about it because that to me is maybe a little bit of a change for Parker because I'm expecting him to, like you said, just pack it all in and make it a nervy ending, even up 2-0. But the fact that it seemed like we were going for the third goal is unusual for Parker, Max. Maybe he is showing a little bit of flexibility in his approach because before that, we knew what the approach was going to be. Yeah, yeah, and and hopefully we're in more situations like this in the future that it's not just we're up by one, we can – play, you know, with more freedom towards the end of the match. So let's hope we have more, more than one goal wins that we need that. Okay. All right. All right, my friend, let's now look at the stats. Okay. And I want to get your thoughts quickly on the stats and we'll end with man of the match. As I put in a little scroll here, if you're watching with us live, please feel free to share your man of the match. We did this on full time and I have a feeling I know what the result's going to be, but, Please feel free to share your man of the match. Okay, here are the stats, my friend. Let's look at possession. 59% to 41% in favor of Fulham. Total shots, Max. 14 to 13 in favor of Fulham. They're pretty close, but this is the big discrepancy. Shots on target. 7 to 1 in favor of Fulham. That's actually pretty good. Corners were even at 3. Crosses were even at 18. Tackles were actually in favor of Fulham. 18 to 16. And if you look at passing accuracy, Fulham were down here because usually they're around 80%. They're at 77%. Cardiff City were at 61%, and that's pretty typical. And fouls were 16 for Fulham, 13 for Cardiff City. Very interesting stuff. What do you make of the stats from this match? Yeah, the, the big thing for me is that they only had one shot on target the entire match. Exactly. And I know that's not including the crossbar because that's not on target technically, but still – we are holding teams to very low quality opportunities. And I think that's a, a big improvement. I mean, Rodak doesn't have anything to do, which is great. You know, we haven't had to say he's been superb because we've essentially shielded him from the worst, the worst of their attack. So I'm, I'm glad from a defensive point of view that we're limiting their high quality opportunities. Yeah, I totally agree. And, but also I was surprised when I just looked at this, because this is the first time I've looked at the stats is how many shots on target we've had, we had in that match. Yeah, and I think that speaks to what I was saying earlier, that we could have made this much more. If we have some better finishing, this match is 3 or 4-0. And imagine, you know, the, the, the message that sends to the rest of the league to see us beating up Cardiff by four goals on a Friday night. Um, but, you know, 
listen, the finishing will come. I'm just really glad we're creating opportunities because that's something, you know, it was night and day, honestly, just from one week ago. That's a thing. Like against Birmingham City last weekend at Grand College, we never shot on target the entire first half, right? And that yep. was the big focus for me was how poor we were in attack. We were creating nothing. And now fast forward less than a week later, we seven shot the target the entire match. We win by two goals to nil. That improvement in such a short span of time is yep. what's really encouraging. Okay. Excellent there, my friend. All right. We're going to end with talking about full man of the match. And Max, I'll start and uh, emphasize who I have. And it's Harrison Reed. We barely have talked about Harrison Reed in the show, which is a shame because uh, we should have been talking more about him. It's funny. For me, Fulham need to sign him permanently. He's made such an impact. And uh, I didn't realize how much they missed him when he was out injured. It's pretty obvious, Max. He's now getting into the groove. He's the motor. Now, this is high praise coming from Giannis. He compared him to my favorite player of all time for Fulham. Danny Murphy. I think they're different types of players, but I, I can see where Giannis is going with, with the impact. The way, you know, again, yeah. because Danny Murphy really controlled the play, but it was more of his passing, whereas I think Harrison Reed is more with his motor and also with his passing. With he, He's moving more than Danny Murphy did, if that makes any sense. But I understand where Giannis is going with the impact that he had. Your thoughts on man of the match? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's Harrison Reed. He's been superb recently. And as you know, I just love the quickness of his play and the quickness, the way his brain moves. He's always looking a couple of moves ahead, and he's never one just to settle with a back pass or a sideways pass. He's always looking for the forward motion. And the best trait about him, which is something you want in every single central midfielder, is as soon as you play a pass, you move. You play a pass, and you're looking to return. You're looking where the next play is. And you're never happy. You're just playing a pass standing still which is something we could criticize a lot of our central midfielders currently for. But Harrison is always in the move. Yep. And when he loses the ball, he has on a mission to win that ball back. And that's another amazing trait about him. He controls the match. He dictates it. He's the center of how we play right now. Yeah, and as everyone's saying, we need to get him on permanent. We need to make him I totally agree. a player for us next season. As we know, with loans, that's, that's – Well, I mean, we've honestly signed Knockhart and Reed and Cavalera permanently on loans. Yeah. But – um, Harrison Reed's the best player of the lot. So oh, I totally you, agree. If you could see Southampton playing hardball, you know, as people mentioned, a la Matt Target, you know, in that oh, vein. I could see just, that happening that. again. I could really see that happening again. I'm still upset about that because Fulham could really use Matt Target. And look how that ended up. That was a, just a bad situation. And he was a perfect fit for Fulham. I, you know, I don't know him, but it's – I have a feeling, this is just my opinion, that he wouldn't have been against coming back to Fulham based on the way he played and the way he acted while he was at Fulham. So the target thing bothers me, but I agree with you. They need to try to sign him permanently, and that goes with Fulham, Nick, who, again, thanks, Nick, for your comments, man of the match. Hopefully our next permanent signing, Rena, I'm with you on that, and you've already said that, Max. We need to get him. And the, we've, we've gotten a lot of players recently from Lode. But they're all players who are underperforming in terms of Decanova, Reed, Cavalera, Knockhart. Let's actually get a player who's playing to his potential. So. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree, my friend. All right. All right. Before we go, I actually saw this comment that I've seen a lot of people talking about. And uh, I, I want to end by – I know we talked, we're going to end talking about full man of the match. But here's one comment that I want to share with you, Max. 
This is from Ralph Leach. I don't know if you saw this with all the comments. And it's interesting because I've seen other people say this too. Is getting a result at West Bromwich Albion and helping Brentford get automatic promotion the best scenario for us playoff-wise? What are your thoughts about what Ralph Leach shared here? Yeah, it's, it's a great point because everyone's been kind of talking about this. Um, on the tear of Brentford's Are we helping Brentford? Yeah. Right. Yes, we, we are. We are. If, if we beat West Brom, which, of course, we should. Let's just make that clear. Fulham should aim to win every single match regardless of what it means because we just want to win. I mean, that's, that's a simple philosophy. But you're right. If we beat West Brom, it's very likely that means Brentford are top two. But if you look at it in terms of us playoff-wise, not let's put aside our hatred for Brentford for one second. Yep. Us playoff-wise, if Brentford is in the top two, it means we don't have to face them in the playoffs, right? And in this situation, we've just beaten West Brom. Right. So theoretically, we could face West Brom in the playoff final now, a team we just beat Correct. You know, a couple of weeks ago. No, it, it's, a, so, it's an interesting way to look yeah. at it. Of course, if West Brom smash us, we don't want to play in the play. Like if they beat us 4-0, right? we don't want to play in the playoffs. <laughs> but theoretically, if we had beaten them and that, that therefore ushered Brentford into all that yep. promotion, I wouldn't be as scared of West Brom because I know we just beat them. Yep. So it's an interesting thing to look at. It is. Of course, it is. It's, I, just, it, I, I personally just want them to continue to win. I know yeah. how people feel about Brentford. I can't stand Brentford. Let me just say that. But I just want them to worry about themselves. And you just brought up an interesting angle to, well, what if Brentford go up automatically? It really is more to do with Fulham and the matchup than they would have. Then they could potentially play West Brom. If they beat West Brom, then they might have confidence seeing them later on in, say, hopefully a playoff final, Max. So, again, that's an interesting way to look at it. I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay, as... As we're finishing up, we're getting more comments. I, I keep saying we're going to end the show, but I want to share this too because I want to talk about this. This is from our friend Steve Reynolds again in Spain. What about Fulham keeping quiet about injuries? Final thought. And this is something that has bothered me, Max, because they, again, have taken this approach to be very quiet on injuries. It's similar to what I deal here with the New England Patriots. I'm, I'm going to mention Belichick yesterday. I have to every show with you. I have yeah, to. I, I, I got the bad going. It's good. It, it was just, once. just once. Just once. Try to match. <laughs> but Steve brings up a point because this is getting to the point of annoying me. Now, the situation with Kamara, I actually watched a recent video with Scott Parker, and he does mention that he has been lightly jogging. That was incur- That's the first time I've heard anything on Kamara because I've been concerned about Kamara. So. I just want to share that if you watch one of Parker's recent videos, it obviously wasn't the last one. I believe it was the the build-up to this match against Cardiff City. He does talk about Kamara. So, again, I just wish the club, Max, would be a little bit more forthcoming. I mean, that's the way we're hearing about it. They can't, like, tweet out or say something that he's in training. Why can't they do that, Max? Yeah, it's, it's infuriating. And, you know, rightfully the fans in the comments are getting angry about it. And I'm angry about it because we just don't know. I, I, would, I would hope so because given that he just started training this week, playoffs are in two or three weeks, two and a half yeah. weeks. It, it would make sense that, that he would become fit just for the playoffs. But, again, it's not ideal because you'd obviously want him to have a couple of matches under his belt to get back to full fitness. I think the best we can hope for, though, is probably Kamara as an impact substitute, which, again, that's excellent because I think – that's maybe that's not his best position, 
but that is a situation which can be so dangerous. So yep. I wouldn't get her hopes up. I don't think he'll start any oh, absolutely. the season. But he, I, I hope he'll be fit enough to make an instant impact off the bench when we need him, which honestly would be such a, a great weapon to have. I missed him. Missed that would him, be a huge yeah. boost. We, we I need totally more agree. injuries. I totally Bottom agree. We, we need more. And we've talked about this a lot, and it's one of the main things like, we, we both yep. share frustration with. You know, we're the supporters. Oh. We're, we're the lifeblood of your club. The least you can do is give us information. And, and if they're doing it just to preserve it so other teams can't get it, I say that's not worth it. you got to revalidate your priorities. It's about the fans and keeping them informed. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree, Max. Listen, I believe it is about this competitive advantage thing that other teams, like I said, are implementing. They don't want to give any advantage to their opponent. I understand that. But there's a way of just sharing basic information, especially someone that we've heard nothing about with Abubakar Kamara. Actually, I started getting concerned about his health because we've heard nothing. You know, again, we know a player has uh, tested positive for coronavirus. We don't know who it is, but we do know that someone has. So that got me to worry about Kamara. I don't know if it is, if, if it is him or not. I am encouraged that he's back in training. Why can't you just say he's back in training and just leave it at that? Again, why can't the club do it? Scott Parker did it in a video, but I had to watch the video. Not everyone has seen it. It's not well known. I'm glad I'm sharing it now. I actually heard, I had to watch it a couple times because I wanted to make sure he was talking about Kamara. I'm like, okay, he's talking about Kamara. So at least I know that he's back in training. And that to me is is important to know. But yes, it's infuriating to me. And thank you, Steve, for mentioning it because it really, to this point, ticks me off. It ticks me off with the New England Patriots. But honestly, it ticks me off more with Fulham. It really does because there's a way of doing it. Even the Patriots are forced to talk about injuries somewhat. Fulham are, are, just, are just not, they're not mentioning anything unless I think that they feel that they really need to. But I'm glad that Parker has done that. You know, at yeah. least at least he's taken this in. They used to actually tweet out uh, injury situations, and they don't do that anymore. Yeah. Why are they not? I remember seeing tweets, Max, of injury updates. Do you remember this? You yeah. know, they, ha- they haven't done that in a while. Why have they stopped doing this? And I and, think and, it goes and, back what, to What's, what's happened to Kennedy? You know, like we were talking about candy being injured. Does anyone know for sure what happened to him? You know, I was texting Dan Crawford about it from Handy Ended, and he said you saw him grabbing his leg. So yeah. th- that's all I know. But like, does anyone know actually what his injury is or how long he's out for? I mean, there's, we don't there's know. also very little on that. We don't know. I believe that Parker did mention Kearney as well about his, but he doesn't go into any specifics. So we really don't know. I think he mentioned that he would just not be involved in this match, which he wasn't. So I get that, but I think that they could do just a little bit more without hurting themselves against their opponent. I understand the idea about that. If that's what it is, you know, you and I disagree. I I understand about the competitive advantage, but there's a way of doing it that you're not giving a team a competitive advantage, but just mentioning what's going on with a player. You could still leave it open-ended, Max. You could say, well, he's been – working through something, and we're going to have to see. At least we know that, you know, again, a player is working through something. Like, that's all, you know, for me, I don't need to know the specifics on Abubakar Kamara. I just, 
Again, it would be nice if the club just tweeted out he's back in training. How difficult is that? Yeah. How and difficult maybe we'll is that? See the, maybe we'll see a tweet and we'll all like it and retweet it and everything will be okay. But I'm not well, from all, from all, all of my complaining, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm sorry. This is something that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about these players. I actually worry about these players' health. I want to know that they're okay, especially with what's going on in the world. I want to know if they're okay. So that was encouraging that I actually watched that and learned that at least Kamara's back in training. All right, enough of Russ's rant. We're going to call that Russ's rant to end the show. All right, Uh, I do want to mention, everyone, thank you for watching live. This will be a podcast as well. We are now able to go live on the Cottage Talk Facebook page and my own Twitter page, Russ underscore Goldman. And uh, if you saw... Earlier, you can also follow us on Twitter. I, I did have a scroll there, so please do follow us on Twitter and also on Facebook. Uh, that would be great. And uh, last thing I do want to mention, we will have another show. Actually, there's going to be a show tomorrow previewing the West Bromwich Albion match. I'm looking forward to uh, to talking to my friend Andy Calton, who is a huge West Brom fan. I'm going to be interviewing him in the morning. I will be posting the time on that shortly, but we will have a show that will be previewing that upcoming match. And I look forward to it, Max. Real real quick before we go, thoughts on that upcoming match? You know, it's a hyperbole, but it is going to be the biggest match of the season. I want to see if this was just a one-off against Cardiff City. I want to see if we truly turned a corner and we can play against the best teams in the division in a positive attacking sense. So, that's what I'm looking out for, how we start that match. I think I want to see whether we give up silly errors because maybe against teams like Cardiff, we'll get away with it. But against quality teams like West Brom, we might be punished. I want to see if we can work back from conceding. I want to see if we can. There's so many things I'm curious about because this is probably the best test yep. of whether this Fulham team is for real. We've seen two quality wins yep. against Forrest and Cardiff. West Brom will be a much tougher test. Yep, I want to see if we're up for it. And honestly, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to this match, match for us. Well, I, I we're, cannot we're, wait. We're in form. We've won four in a row. I yeah, cannot no, wait for, for this it. match. I'm excited. I'm again. I just want to mention. I'm very excited to talk to Andy. I, I think Andy's a little bit nervous right now, but he As knows he that. Yes, be. yes, he, he's yeah. a little nervous. So I look forward to talking with him on Monday. And like I said, I'll have a time posted on the Cottage Talk Facebook page when that is. And I keep saying we're going to end the show, but we keep getting some great comments. This is, again, from Colm Bugler. I want to ask you this before we go. And then keep, then someone's going to ask another question. Here we go. Will a midfield three of Kearney, Onama, and Reed work, or is Kearney going to just be a straight swap for Onama? Great question, Max. I can't imagine him taking Onama out. Well, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it's something which you know, I worry, I've wondered about. How does it work with all these players? Great question, in? Colm. Fantastic question. I don't think Kane will be a straight soft for Onoma. I don't think any manager can justify taking out Onoma after his performances recently. And yep. I can't, you can't really justify putting in Kearney, considering I think Onoma's been much better than Kearney. Um, yeah, Tony's just said Kearney cannot come in right now. Yep. I'm not sure if I, I will go that far. I think Kearney could come in for harder. That being said, that's that's an attacking lineup now, right? You have yep. Reed as your holder and Onoma as your box-to-box and Kearney as your out-and-out attacking midfielder. Is that too bold for Parker? I'm not sure. And honestly, I think maybe the most likely situation, which Parker likes to do, is he just makes it unchanged. We've just come off one of the best performances of the season against Cardiff City. If it's not broke, you don't fix it. Why would you change the formation? I know. So part I know. of me now is wondering, maybe Kenny, as Tony said, maybe Kenny stays on the bench. 
Or maybe the situation is made easier for him, given that maybe Canada's injury means he's not fit enough to start. And yep. it's, it's much simpler than we think. But I'm honestly right now, I'm leaning towards the, the lineup that won us the match against Cardiff City. He's sick with that. Okay. Very good there, my friend. Great way to end the show. Again, thank you, everyone, for all your comments, and I'm happy to share them. And I keep saying we're going to end the show, and then we keep getting these great comments, so I'm glad that we could share that. But let's wrap this up. For Max Cohen, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. For Fulham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats, and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free COY Whites app now from the App Store and Google Play. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.